This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is a very exciting episode. We've brought in an exceptional content creator, Shannon Morse. She is behind the threat wire by Hack5 and a YouTube channel called Shannon Morse. In this episode, we get into the code of conduct at conferences and also talk about enabling women in security. If you love this episode and want to continue to follow us, be sure to check out our website at hackervalley.studio and please support us at patreon.com forward slash hackervalleystudio. Let's get to the episode. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again, along with a special guest. Today, we have Shannon Morse. She's an exceptional content creator behind the Threat Wire by Hack5 and her YouTube channel, Shannon Morse. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to join you guys. Shannon, so you are a triple OG when it comes to content creation. Glad to have you on the show. For the folks, I don't know who out there would not know who you are, but for the folks out there that don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of your background and what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. I have been working with Hack5, H-A-K-5, for about, I want to say I'm going on like 12 years now. It's been quite a while. And that's really how I got my start in online media. Originally, I when I was in school, I thought that I was going to go into like restaurant or hospitality administration and like run my own I don't know, a hotel. <laughs> Cause I'm, I like being around people, but it ended up, I don't know, my life took a different turn and I ended up falling into information security and privacy. And I just fell in love with it when I got involved with Hack5. So ever since then, I've been creating YouTube videos around tutorials that have to do with InfoSec and teaching people how to do cool hacks and hardware mods. And it's really uh, kind of turned my life around. Instead of doing something that I would consider it a, a traditional job, I ended up doing something that didn't even exist when I was in college. And um, it was a bit of a dream come true. And this is, it, it's a job that really brings me a lot of happiness and joy. I think there's always a, a great story behind those in InfoSec. What was your introduction and how did you become interested in InfoSec in the first place? Yeah, really for me, I didn't even know that it was a um, genre or a career choice that you could take. So I didn't really know that it existed. I knew from you know, having a lot of friends in college that were in computer programming and coding classes, even I took coding classes, that networking and computer programming and IT experience existed for those kind of career paths. But security and privacy in general, I didn't even know that was a thing. So when I was in school, as a little, little kid, I used to build computers with my my dad all the time. I think I'm up to like, my 12th build this year or something like that throughout my lifetime. So it's been quite a few. And I've always been pretty obsessed with technology in general and understanding, especially hardware. But as I got through college, I got more obsessed with understanding software and understanding components and everything in between. So 
I ended up making friends with the guys at Hack5 through some mutual friends. And after college, since I didn't really have a direction for a career, they invited me to go live with them in Virginia in the US, Mm -hmm. which was very random. And my mom thought I was crazy, but I did it anyway, (laughs) because sometimes I like to take chances in life. And it ended up being a wonderful move. I ended up being on the show. And I think the first video I did, I was extremely nervous about. But I reviewed an open source video game. It was like a racing simulator type video game. And the feedback was terrible. I mean, it was an SD video. It looked really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I look back now 12 years later and I think like, wow, I can't believe I actually did that in front of a camera and put it on the internet for everybody to see. But at this point in my career, I'm like, well, everybody grows from somewhere. And I'm really happy that I got that start because it led me down this crazy path. And and now I'm editing and doing my own shows. And I never would have thought that would have been possible, you know, 12 years ago. It's so funny. There's so many parallels because when I came out to the West Coast, I actually lived with Ron for about three months. And so I stayed in his house. That's when the podcast was born. And so much growth just kind of exploded out of that. And here we are a year later. And we look back at our first episode and we're like, what the heck were we doing? I, I can't imagine how much growth you've had over, you know, over a decade of producing content. What has that that journey been like? How have you continued to grow and get better And where are you going next? I think one of the biggest ways that I've noticed my own personal growth is through my own self-confidence and my own value, like what I feel I am valued as and what my worth is. Those are things that I didn't really understand or I didn't really give myself a true value or worth back when I first started on the show, because I didn't think I was good enough. I was new to information security and privacy. I didn't understand. I had di- never used Linux in my life. I didn't even know Linux existed when I first started. Mm-hmm. And now I'm teaching tutorials on the Hack5 channel about how to get started with Linux and how to understand the command line interface and everything. So when I look back and I see the growth just through my own videos and seeing how many views they've gotten, or when somebody comes up to me at a conference and tells me they watch their videos in their university classes, which apparently teachers use some of those tutorials in university classes. And I thought that was crazy. Like hearing people give me that kind of feedback, I'm like, okay, this is information that was kind of missing in this genre And people are actually using it to their advantage so that they can further their careers. And knowing that information really gave me a direction as far as what I should be doing with this job. And it told me the kind of audience and the kind of people that I should be talking to. Those are the students, the people the people that are passionate about information security and privacy, but they don't really know what direction to go in. They can watch my videos and get kind of a core component understanding of what's involved with InfoSec, and then they can go on from there. And hopefully they they grow their wings and fly off into this amazing career choice, and then they can go buy their Teslas or whatever they want. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happens, and that's how I got started. I was When I was first getting into cybersecurity, I was a huge fan of Hack5, still am, and I think it's such amazing content. There's It's such a wide variety of things. You were talking about being behind reviewing a game and then helping others with Linux tutorials, 
what gives you the the creative license to try out so many projects? What enables you to be confident about creating these videos and keep it moving forward? I'm well, I usually go towards life being very self-taught in whatever I'm interested in. I'm I'm kind of a jack of all trades in a sense. And I wouldn't say I'm necessarily not an expert of any of them, but I would say that I am an expert in certain certain pieces of that jack of all trades. Like, you know, the command line interface with Linux. That's a good example. I think Whenever I'm trying to come up with an idea for a segment or trying to come up with something that I could build upon for a video, I consider what my audience needs and what they've been asking for. And a lot of times I go towards either feedback emails or comments or something like that to kind of get a broader understanding of what I should be building my content around. But it's not just feedback that I try to consider. It's also what I'm passionate about at the time. For example, there was one point during the Hack 5 recordings where we would do weekly recordings and both Darren and I were like, I really want to build a drone. Why don't we just do a whole series of episodes around building a drone? And it was very, very odd. And it was a little bit different of uh, content for Hack 5. And we did get some negative feedback from people that were just like, you know, we don't want to see drone building. We want to see more hacks. And we were like, <laughs> well, this is what we're interested in right now. So we're going to do videos about it. And it ended up being just fine because a lot of people ended up watching the entire series and going, okay, that was pretty cool. I didn't know it was so open source. That's neat. Like, let me actually check this out now. So a lot of times we find like the things that we're passionate about, our audience is also finding that they have a passion for, and they may not have realized that when we first started. So whenever I'm doing new videos, I always make sure it's something that I can actually express a lot of passion for. So if it's something that's really boring, I feel like that comes across whenever you're doing videos. It's so obvious in your eyes whenever you're watching a video and somebody is just bored out of their mind and they're just telling you information. So I always try to make sure the information I'm giving people is something that I'm really, really interested in. That's great. One thing I wanted to bring up with you is you've been in the industry for a really long time, which means you've been in the community a really long time. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the growth of the community, the conferences, and how are things going to look in the future as far as conferences are concerned? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I love going to conventions so, so much in the InfoSec industry. Like hacker cons are a family in their self. And I feel like I've connected with so many people through the conventions, either just meeting people face-to-face uh, -face, that kind of gives you a better impression of who's watching your videos online. Because, you know, when you're recording a video, even recording a podcast, it's almost like a one-way street where you're only getting to express yourself, but you're not getting any kind of feedback. So whenever I go to conventions, I just, I love meeting people face-to-face. -face. It's so cool being able to see the excitement from people and understand what they enjoy. And that kind of, that always reminds me why I'm doing these shows, because there are people that are excited. So I would like to mention that with uh, the hacker industry and with going to conventions, I have noticed a change over time just in the industry as a whole. When I first started, 
for example, there weren't a lot of women in the industry. And I say that as a woman, when I go to conventions, it's very obvious because the line for the men's bathroom is like 30 people long. And for me, I can just walk into the women's bathroom and that never happens. Like if you go to a mall, that never happens. There's always a line. So it's really easy for me to tell like, oh, there's more women at this convention this year because there's actually a line to get into the bathroom for once. Mm, Like that's that's a first. So it's really cool being able to go now as opposed to 10 years ago when I'm seeing a lot more women come up and uh, introduce themselves at the Hack 5 booth and say that they've been watching the shows or they come up and they ask for recommendations on what books to get them into information security. And I've even been invited to like go to women's initiative type of events to introduce more, more ladies to InfoSec and security and privacy. Anytime I go to these conventions, I've also noticed that a lot of them have been introducing code of conducts. And that's been really, really exciting for me because when I think it was, I think it was about, I want to say eight years ago or so, I went to a convention, there was no code of conduct, and I was sexually assaulted at the convention. Yeah. So after that happened, I spoke publicly about it. It took me about two years to actually feel comfortable enough to speak publicly about it. And a lot of people started giving me feedback and saying, hey, that's actually happened to me too, or something similar has happened to me too. I didn't realize it was such a big issue in the industry until I spoke about it and people started privately sending me messages and telling me their own stories. Once that happened, I really started to notice this kind of an inequality in the in the career choice in this genre. So I started going to these conventions and saying like, hey, can we put something in place that makes it a, a more comfortable place for women to go? Because we were very much in the minority. And ever since a lot of these conventions has started developing these code of conducts. I've also noticed that there have been more women going to these events. So we kind of have an allyship now going. And because so many women have spoken out and because so many people in general have spoken out about inequality at events, I've noticed more of an allyship between the men and women that go to the events too. So it feels like a a much better space for everybody in a way. Really appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure it was very difficult to share that piece of information. I'm so sorry to hear that 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 happened to you. And I'm a huge advocate for, you know, inclusion and bringing safety for all people in cybersecurity and really any field. What are some initiatives that you're following today that are really inclusive towards women? How can women feel confident, comfortable and safe at conferences? What initiatives should they be following today? There's a lot of different like charitable organizations that work very closely with women to kind of drive more women to get into information security. For example, there's Women in Security and Privacy, which is WISP or WISP. That's one of the events that I've been supporting over this over several years. And they've done a lot of good work to bring women together and get them more involved in, you know, getting these careers in information security and privacy privacy since our percentages are still so very low. I've also noticed that there's been a lot of 
like kind of groups and meetings that get together. And there's a lot of like Twitter organizations kind of formed just in the community amongst women for women that really have helped each other as far as you know, getting us the contacts that we need to get the networking, to get the jobs that a lot of the ladies in in the uh, industry really want to get. The unfortunate part is when you start speaking out about this kind of these kind of topics, there's always a uh, a group or a few individuals that feel I don't know. I would guess I would say. They feel attacked, even though it's not necessarily attacking them. It's just, you know, a need for equality. So we always do notice a little bit of this whenever, like, I'm doing a YouTube video and I have YouTube comments that that speak more to, you know, the fact that I'm a woman as opposed to the content instead of criticizing the content. Or I've had trolls try to report my tweets just because because they want to get the account taken down, which luckily I follow all the regulations. So I've never had to deal with that. But you're always going to see some of those attacks. So over time, if we continue to develop this equality and this advocation for each other, as opposed to just ourselves, we kind of build a community that can I don't, I guess I would say like hold our defenses or or keep that force field so that whenever there is an attack, it doesn't necessarily break that barrier. So we can, we can build a better community together as opposed to just separately, you know, individually. One thing that, that I'm just thinking about right now is that I cannot imagine the comments and the messages you must have received over 10 years ago, because I think we've made some progress as far as people on the internet now, but I'm sure it was like the wild world West, like five years ago, 10 years ago. I, and I, I would hate for like my daughters, I have three daughters. I would hate for my daughters to go online and just put out content that they want to put out with no malice, but to been met with these, these terrible messages. What advice do you have for the, the women and the girls out there that are looking to, to produce content and to fight through this, this negativity that they might uh, encounter on their way to producing it. I'll speak directly from the perspective of a YouTuber, not necessarily a content creator on Instagram or on Twitter or anything like that, but YouTube, because that's the one I'm most familiar with. When I first started, I considered quitting several times because of the negativity that I faced when I was getting involved in information security, mainly creating that kind of content for InfoSec. It was tough because I was so new and I didn't know a lot about the industry. So it was really hard for me to understand like, you know, there are going to be these kind of pieces, no matter what kind of community you, or these kind of people, no matter what kind of community you get involved with. But there was definitely a lot of that kind of negativity. So I had a very, very good group of friends and family that I was able to vent to, that I was able to talk to and share some of these experiences with so that I could get uh, some feedback from them as far as like, you know, is there something that I could be doing better? Or is is this just all in my head? Is it something that is just going to, you know, hurt my self-confidence? A lot of times it was just attacks on my person as opposed to attacks on the content. And since it was just attacks on the person, eventually I got to the point 
thanks a lot to the fact that I had friends and family where I understood that you're not going to be able to please everybody. That's never going to be something that you can offer the world. Not everybody is going to like you and that's okay. There's always going to be strangers online who will get insanely defense defensive whenever you say something that they may not like. Or there will always be, always be people online who just don't like you because of the way that you speak or the way that you look or the way that you express yourself online. There's a ton of folks that have seen my videos and they think that I'm faking my excitement whenever I like get super excited about something and I get really like, I start speaking really fast and I move my hands around a lot. And it's just something that I do when I get excited. But a lot of people think like, oh, she's just doing that. She's just doing that to like, you know, gain viewers or something like that. There's always going to be some people that just don't like you. And facing that reality took me several years to understand. But I will say, once I got to that point, it really helped me grow because I stopped caring as much about what a stranger thought on the internet, as opposed to caring more so about my own career and more so about how I wanted to grow as a person. And if I wanted to grow as a person in a line that ended up taking me down this path where people may not necessarily enjoy my content, that's okay. If it makes me happy and if it makes me truly feel accomplished in my life, then that's the goal that I want to set for myself. So and I think that was the biggest thing. And it shows. You can you can hear it from you. You can hear the excitement and the passion about what you do. And even before we hit record, really the first things that we were talking about was, hey, you know, I'm working on my passion. I'm doing some of the administrative things that fuel me to make videos, to make content. I think that's a, a great story that, you know, everyone should keep in the back of their mind that there could be negativity, but do it because you like doing it. There's really not much more to it. There could be other aspects of benefits, but, you know, there's always the love of the game. And that that's something that you can always rely on. Absolutely. I, I would... and, and I will mention as well, sorry to cut you off. I will mention as well, in a very, very logical sense, anybody that starts doing content creation now in 2020, as opposed to in 2010, has a lot of benefits on their side. For example, technically speaking, YouTube allows you to do filtering of comments now. And I didn't have that when I first started. So I had to pretty much face whatever came at me on YouTube. But now you can you can get as, as uh, direct as you want to on YouTube as far as filtering goes. You can even filter a specific word or you can filter even leet speak. If somebody types in a word in leet speak, you can totally filter that out. It's the most amazing thing. And they've, they've taken a lot of initiatives to make sure that people don't have to deal with as much harassment now, way more so than they did when I first started. I'm sure the all the gear, the equipment, the software has probably also really propelled you. For us to get started with podcasting, it's like a podcast in a box. We just ordered some stuff off of Amazon and immediately hit Podbean and started. I'm sure back then it was a, a lot harder to even get a video on YouTube thinking about size and space and, and whatnot. You know, I was just talking to a group of my Patreon supporters about how I'm thankful that I started way back 
12 years ago because I had to use these gigantic mixers and I had to use this crazy cable system just to be able to plug a microphone into a computer. And I had to use all these weird interfaces and this software and all sorts of crazy stuff. And now, now we have XLR interfaces that turn microphones directly into USB. We have beautiful point and shoot cameras that have mic in jacks. We have software that's open source and free that allows you to automatically start streaming. We have phones that start streaming live wherever you want. It's amazing. Like the technology has changed so much. So sometimes I make things a little bit too complicated for myself because <laughs> I'm thinking about the past where I had to use these giant mixers and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to buy this $500 piece of equipment to make sure that my mic sounds good. No, no, no. All I have to do is turn on audacity and it sounds great. Like it's changed so much in 10 years. And I'm, I'm thankful that I know how to do the past stuff just in case I ever have to like backpedal and go back to those old interfaces. Like if a new interface broke or something, but oh man, it's so much easier these days. And it's less expensive, too. Much less expensive. I used to work at a uh, broadcasting station for the county, and we had all of this gigantic equipment that you had to buy at special places. It was very difficult to get started. Uh, one one question I wanted to ask you, you know, talking about the love of the game and enjoying what you do, what's been your favorite type of video to create? You have videos on physical software attacks and even car hacking. What's been your favorite so far? Oh man, that's a hard question. <laughs> like everything. <laughs> it's so hard to cho choose. Well, one thing that was missing in information security when I had first started was really good video tutorials for the simplistic stuff, like how to use Wireshark and things like that. So it was very frustrating for me when I was first getting started in InfoSec because these tutorials did not exist. So when I started making videos, I, I was so frustrated with the experience that I was having as a newbie. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this easier for everybody else and I'm going to make the videos. So I think the first really exciting thing that I got super passionate about was building these tutorials out for, for new folks that are just getting into InfoSec on Wireshark and on uh, radio, like RTL SDR and understanding frequencies. And I think understanding theory, I get so excited about that because it opens up such a world of knowledge for you. That's one of the most exciting pieces for me. Um, getting really down and dirty into a hack, like this one is a actually a private video that I only shared with Patreon supporters a few years ago for a different show. I did this hack where I made a skull for Halloween, like a little plastic skull that you could buy at like Target or Walmart. I put a little Arduino inside of it and a little motion sensor. And anytime somebody walked by it and created a shadow over the skull, it would turn and it would follow you as you walked by it. And it was, <laughs> it was so cool because it was something that I made for my show, obviously, but I was able to like put it into my 
house and have a Halloween party and my real world friends and family were able to see this thing that I did. And everybody was like, that's so cool. That's so awesome. I love doing hardware hacks like that. I love being able to do radio hacks. I think that's so much fun because you get to see what's happening in the world around you. Pretty much anything that like opens up a a huge knowledge base is something that I get really excited and passionate about. I'm actually glad you brought up Patreon. Uh, we have a Patreon as well, and it's really where we get to interface with our our most diehard fans. And I can't imagine how many fans you have like across the world with Sailor Snubs. You have your show. What do you have any good stories regarding your your community that you've built around yourself? Do do you have anything that you'd love to to share with anyone? I do. I I have some really fun, like real world experiences with fans that I I will just never forget because they were so funny and off the wall. One time, and I hope he listens to this video because he'll he'll remember it too. One time I was in line in San Francisco to go to the, it's it's this prison that's on an island. It's called Alcatraz. I like to call Mm -hmm. it Azkaban because it reminds me of Harry Potter, but... (laughs) (laughs) So I'm in line and I have some friends from out of town visiting me back in the day before pandemics when we could have friends visit visit us from out of town. And uh, we were all in line to go to this island with a prison on it and check it out as, as tourists. And this kid was behind me uh, in line and he was from Germany and he was also there as a tourist. And I had turned around to talk to my friends at one point and then he saw me and he goes, oh, Oh, are you snubs? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he goes, Oh my God, I'm a big fan. I've been watching Hack Five since I was little. And he was a little teenage kid, so he must not have been watching very long, but it was so, so sweet. And so I think I took a picture with him and then I saw him several times while we were on the island doing the tour. And anytime we made eye contact, he would wave really frantically. It was so cute. <laughs> he was so excited. He was so excited. And since I was there with my friends, they had never seen that kind of interaction before because they don't go to hacker cons. Like my, my friends in masseuse, like she would never go to a hacker con, but right. she saw this happen and she was just like, does this happen often? And luckily I was able to say, no, it does not. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it definitely does not. But when it does, it's, it's a really special moment for me, just like it is for the person that watches the show because I'm able to put that face to a name and I'm able to interact with somebody in person and see their excitement. And I, I, in a way I feed off that real world experience and that real world excitement, because it tells me there are really people on the other side of that camera watching the show and really finding interest in it. And it's something that could change their life and make them go down this crazy info set career path. So anytime that happens, I, I remember it because it's just so exciting and it's so fun. So that was just one one of the times that's happened. It hasn't happened very many times. Like there was a guy in, I think it was Lowe's that was following me around <laughs> the store. So I ended up go like walking up to him because I have no shame. And <laughs> I was like, hey, what's up? What's going on? And he was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm a big fan. <laughs> That is so so awesome. Those are always really fun. And it's really exciting whenever I'm able to share that experience with somebody else. Like if, you know, my, my friends that were in line with me for that, for that tourist attraction, because it's really cool to be able to 
you know, share that with somebody else and be like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a part of my job and I never want to feel like I'm, I'm taking advantage of anything because I've worked really, really hard to get where I am in my life. And there's no way that I would be where I am now if it wasn't for those, those people that watch the shows. So it's, it really comes down to me being thankful for them more so than like people always thank me. They're like, thank you so much. Thank you for making these shows. But I feel like I'm really the one that should be thanking people because if nobody watched the shows, then I wouldn't have a job. Completely agree. You definitely have a couple fans and Ron and I. So thank you for everything that you have done. And also thank you for being on the podcast. For folks that want to keep up to date with all the things that you have going on, what are some ways that people can do that? Uh, definitely Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time, probably <laughs> probably too much, twitter.com slash snubs, S-N-U-B-S. And you can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash H-A-K-5 and youtube.com slash Shannon Morse. Awesome. Really appreciate it, Shannon. Hopefully we get to have you on again sometime. And we'll be sure to leave all of your, sh- all of your information in our show notes. And we'll see everybody next time.